Welcome to the C Word Podcast. I'm your host, Beck Hughes. This is where creative meets business. Here we explore what it takes to harness your creative gifts and turn them into a thriving business. You can have a brand and business that allow you to create work that feels amazing to call yours, have clients you love serving, and live a life that feels like the only place you want to be. Hey you, welcome back to the C Word Podcast, or as I always say, welcome welcome if it's your first visit here. Either way, I'm so happy that you came to join me today and hear another episode from me, all about what it is to be a creative in business. Now, recently I was chatting to two of my business besties and we we had such a great conversation about what our responsibility is as coaches in that instance, because they are both coaches too, to set our clients up for success. And that got me thinking about what that looks like in the creative industry too, for the designers I work with as a coach and a mentor myself, and how they in turn set their clients up for success in the creative and the design projects that they do. So in this podcast, I want to talk about our responsibility to our client as the creative service provider and how we can essentially put our best foot forward when it comes to setting the client and the project up for success, because that's a win-win, obviously. By definition, a creative project is a bit of a roller coaster. In my opinion, it starts out with that excited energy, you know, everybody's starting on something new and it's a new and exciting opportunity. But sometimes that dips when everyone's in the trenches, as I call it, and the work is being done and there are lots of questions to be answered and there's just lots of stuff happening. But then hopefully there's a high at the end that makes all the hard work and the pushing worthwhile. It's a bit like having a baby, actually. And this is important because great projects, happy clients ultimately make for awesome testimonials, for referrals, for returning clients, for a happy, fulfilled you. And therefore, all of those things combined mean a sustainable business that grows, Now, broadly speaking, there, I think, are two things we can do for our client. We can make it a bit less hard work. So by preempting and having a great process. But I think we can also manage their expectations that sometimes it will be challenging. Like I said, you know, a creative project is a little bit of a roller coaster and they won't be without challenge. And I think it's about setting that up in a way to say That's part of birthing a great creative outcome. So this podcast isn't just about ironing out the wrinkles and making everything perfect in terms of process. It's also about how we can preempt and manage the client's expectations that sometimes there will be some highs and lows and that's just part of it. So let's have a chat. So first off, I just want to touch on how this relates to messaging and how we can think about how we set our clients up for success in our marketing. And I think it's an, it's interesting to think about this in the context of messaging in marketing and how that's potentially evolved over time. 
So back in the day, marketing focused on features, didn't it? You know, it's all about the widgets, the whistles, the bells, all of the inclusions, if you like, the boxes that are being ticked. Until everyone realized that doesn't give you a competitive advantage because anyone can compete on widgets eventually, which is essentially performance. So to take a slightly weird example here, let's think about anti-dandruff shampoo, that glamorous product. (laughs) The feature is that it prevents dry, flaky scalp. That's the feature, and that's the feature that we can talk to. But then, you know, lots of other producers of anti-dandruff shampoo can also talk about that feature because it's sort of part and parcel of that product. But from there in marketing, we all realized that those features ladder to a benefit. So something the client gets and we can focus our attention there. So what do they get out of this particular feature? What's the benefit? So the benefit of preventing a dry and flaky scalp is no uncomfortable itching, no unsightly flakes on your shoulders. (laughs) Charming. But that didn't really capture the client's imagination, did it? Didn't tug on the heartstrings. So we then went for pain points. Let's talk to them about the quagmire, the mud, the unpleasant situation they're in, and we'll empathize with that. Well, flakes on your shoulders, well, it's embarrassing, isn't it? It affects your self-confidence. It makes you want to walk around with a paper bag on your head, maybe. That's better. You know, it's getting there. In terms of the messaging, we're talking to someone's emotion and how it makes them feel, the downside. And of course, we could then add to that the transformation, the bright and the beautiful light at the end of the tunnel. Let's sell them the dream. So beautiful hair, beautiful you, oozing magnetic appeal and having loads of beautiful people falling at your feet, (laughs) finding the perfect partner and riding off into the sunset together in a red Corvette or something along those lines, whatever the dream is that this kind of leads to. You know, where is the end point? How, How does this ultimately impact that particular client or that purchaser, that consumer's life? And that's where a lot of messaging sits these days, pain point and pivot. What I feel now and how I will be transformed, right? And that's very compelling, and I don't criticize that. I think that's very powerful messaging. But my realization in chatting to my biz friends was, is that really setting the client up for success? So empathy and selling the dream are maybe only part of it, because I think on their own, they don't necessarily set the client up with a realistic expectation. So they can also put their best foot forward to get the outcome, get the result, achieve the dream. Because let's be honest, there is always a part that the client has to play in this. It doesn't happen in spite of them. Because, well, hold on, do I need to use that shampoo every day for a month? Might I need to even change my diet to prevent this dry, flaky scalp? There is a commitment to be made. And if you don't tell me about that somewhere along the way, it doesn't have to be the first and upfront message, but if you don't tell me at some point, well, chances are I'll be disappointed. I won't get the results I wanted, and that will ultimately reflect badly on the shampoo (laughs) and the makers of that shampoo. So if my expectations ultimately aren't managed of what I need to do to achieve the result because it's not a miracle cure, then somewhere along the line, the deal is going to be broken. The promise is going to be 
unmet and there's going to be disappointment. But marketing messages rarely talk about the commitment and the expectations, particularly when it comes to things like maybe the coaching industry or business services like design or like marketing services. Because I think whilst we all know there isn't a silver bullet, we know that deep down, I do think that perhaps we want to believe that the emperor's new clothes do really exist. Maybe that there is a switch to be flicked, a new brilliant formula that isn't, hasn't been discovered yet, or a miracle cure that will change everything. I think the optimist in all of us, the believer, thinks that maybe, just maybe, that could be there. But really the silver bullet, or at least I think an important part of it, is the client and the work they do or that they don't do to make it a success. And this isn't just practically, this isn't just all the things in practical terms, the jobs, the actions they need to take. I think this is also a bit around the mindset and the attitude that they need to bring to the process when they come into, in this case, a creative project that's going to change their business in some way. But this isn't all about doom and gloom in your messaging. It's just about transparency and making sure the client knows what they're up for. So where am I going with this? Well, I believe actually that the future of perhaps slightly more ethical marketing, certainly a more real and honest client relationship, relies on one important question that we should all be asking ourselves, which is in our messaging throughout the customer journey, How am I setting my client up for success? And when I sat down to think about this, I think that probably takes four forms, if you like. There's probably four ways that we can do that. The first is alignment. The second is about knowledge. The third would be actions and attitude. And then the fourth is emotions. So I'll get into those and talk about each of those in a bit more detail and kind of let you know what I mean by each of those words and how they impact the success of your project and the success of your client ultimately. So when it comes to alignment, I think the question here is, is there alignment between what your client wants and what you're offering? Now that sounds like a really obvious thing, but I think there is quite often a disconnect here. So sometimes people only see what they want to see or they only hear what they want to hear. It's got a, there's a name for it, confirmation bias. You are looking for the sometimes the positive, sometimes the negative that confirms what you think or what you want to believe about something. So they might want to work with you or they just want to get a solution. They just want to get this problem off their desk and they want it done. So they focus on the bits that are right and ignore the bits that aren't. And that's just human nature in many ways. But that is problematic because eventually reality will kick in. So just to give you an example of that, when we sold our house, so we moved from Sydney, um, sold our house about 12 months ago. And when we were going through that process, our real estate agent said to us that the first time someone views a house, when you're selling a house, the first time someone comes through, they will only see the bits that they love. They're looking for, they want to find their forever home. That's the mindset they're in. So they're going to pick up, it's confirmation bias. They're just going to identify all the things that they love about this house because they want to make themselves feel good. And they really sort of talk it up in their own mind, if you like. 
It's only on the second and the third visit that they'll start to see the problems. They'll start to see the things that don't quite work for them because then they're starting to perhaps reality is kicking in and they're starting to look at things with a fresh pair of eyes. That's, I think, a really good example of how we can sometimes, as in human nature, be looking for the positives and be looking for something to confirm what it is we deeply want. We want to have that problem sorted out. We want to get this amazing website built. We want to rebrand in it to be this amazing thing that we've been hoping for. And we just focus on that without perhaps seeing the full picture and the reality. So to give you a business example of that, I was once looking on one of those well-known Facebook groups that everybody goes on and shares their innermost experiences and feelings. And someone shared an example which blew me away where they had gone through a process of engaging a web developer, a web designer, web developer. And part of their requirement, part of their brief was they wanted a WordPress website. Okay. So that was their, what they wanted. And then they got into the process and they realized, I don't know at what point in the process, but they're obviously far enough down that things had started to be done that the website was actually being built in Wix so I've got nothing against either Wix or WordPress maybe essentially (laughs) well that's not what this podcast is about anyway but the point is is that there wasn't alignment so somewhere along the way and I don't know where (laughs) and I the mind boggles really but somewhere there was this misalignment that what the client was wanting and what that particular developer was offering were two different things. So that's a good example of maybe where confirmation bias comes in. They perhaps wanted to work with that person, it felt good, and maybe they chose to not see the fact that it wasn't actually going to be in a format that they that they wanted until suddenly perhaps the veil was lifted and they started to see the reality of what was going on. Another example would be with me in my business. So I recently had a new inquiry from someone that was referred by another client of mine and they contacted me for a website refresh. And that's just, I don't do website refresh. I develop brands for clients and then sometimes website is part of the deliverable for that. But I don't go straight into website. I'm not a web designer. So They came to me wanting that. They'd been strongly recommended. This client had really talked me up. So, you know, they probably were in this mindset of this is the right person. This is who I want to work with. This is who I need in my business. What they wanted was a website. What I'm offering is a brand elevation, a a rebrand. That's what I do. And even though I saw pretty quickly that there was a mismatch there, there was a misalignment and and worked very hard to highlight to that potential client that I didn't think I was the right fit for them. I didn't think that what I offered them was what they were looking for. They essentially weren't really having it. <laughs> they were almost changing their expectation to fit with what I was offering, which is a which is great. It's kind of a nice feeling that they wanted to work with me to that extent. However, I think 
that was in the early phase of confirmation bias. They just wanted to make it happen because it was going to be solving a problem for them. But actually, I think again, when the blinkers came off, when the veil was lifted and they went down this track of rebranding and realized, actually, you're right. That was, I didn't want to get into this. This isn't what I wanted to do. That there was probably going to be some disconnect, maybe some disappointment even. So I really stepped away from that project because I just knew that it wasn't right, that there wasn't that alignment. But it would have been very easy to go ahead with it and say, well, I'm going to take the money, I'm going to do the project. And, you know, if this is what the client's saying they want, then that's what I'll do. But I kind of knew in my gut that it wasn't going to be the right outcome for the client in the end, that ultimately it wasn't what they wanted. It might have been what they needed, but if they weren't in the right headspace that they'd come looking for a rebrand, then I think it would have led to disappointment. So I think that alignment and being really clear and being really brutally honest about whether you're a good fit for that client, whether you are exactly what they're looking for and being really honest about the details is a really important part of setting things up for success. This is what you do and you don't have to change or mold yourself to fit to a preconception or particular requirement that the client comes to you with, that potential client comes with. If the two don't match, they just don't match. You don't necessarily then start to change either what you do or what the requirement is to just kind of force it to fit. The second thing I think that we can do perhaps better at sometimes when it comes to setting up the client and the project for success is around knowledge. So what are the knowledge gaps that you need to fill for your client. Often there is a lot of assumed knowledge in the business world. So when you do something every single day, it becomes second nature. So when you build websites or you're a designer, you understand different file formats, you understand what different color references mean, hex versus CMYK, it starts to seem like a really obvious thing. And you maybe sometimes forget that your client doesn't know what you know. So as I said, there's a lot of assumed knowledge, particularly around the process or how things work. So we kind of assume that the client's going to know what this project's going to look like, how the steps are going to pan out, what's required of them. And often that can then be where things can fall over because the client doesn't feel that they understand what's happening or they're not prepared for certain steps There's a knowledge gap that means that they either hold things up or they maybe become frustrated because something comes up that they didn't anticipate, they weren't ready for. So I think what's important here is to learn as you go. When something comes up with a client where they perhaps get a bit confused about the process or what the deliverables are, or they don't understand something, that there is this knowledge gap Take that as an opportunity to ask yourself, how could I explain that better? How could I improve maybe my onboarding or my offboarding to clarify that point more? And don't be afraid to get into the detail. So I think sometimes it can be a natural reaction to not blame the client, but maybe suggest that, oh, why don't they know this? You know, they're a business owner. Why wouldn't they understand how websites work? Why wouldn't they understand that they need a a host for their website and they have a separate host for their domain name server? Why wouldn't they know these things? Why wouldn't they know that it's a different logo file for an online medium versus a print medium? But instead of 
allowing some of that frustration to come into the process, see it as an opportunity. How can you use it to improve the process going forward, to improve the communication, to educate your clients in the future better? So I'll just share a little example of mine, which is I produce as part of my branding process, a brand playbook. And that is a very detailed brand guideline. Talks about the brand strategy, what the brand's all about. It gets into the usage guidelines of how to use the logo, color, fonts, all of that stuff. And then there are also some examples, some mock-ups at the end that show how that brand comes to life. So there might be a website homepage mock-up, some business cards, some signage, a social media header, an Instagram feed, just some examples of how that would look. They're not final files, they haven't been completed, they're not ready for print, there's maybe not even copy in them all the time, they might be just Laura Mipson. It's just about demonstrating how the scheme will come to life. And I explain that in some detail in my value-led proposal. I talk about what that is, that it's not a final deliverable, it's not ready for production, it's just for demonstration purposes. And I thought that's enough. And generally that has been enough. However, quite recently in a brand process, I got to the point early on where I let the client know that I would be looking at these a few mock-ups to demonstrate their brand. And was there anything particular that it would be helpful for me to look at? And they sent me like 10 different documents, different kinds of client engagement documents, pages and pages long, their expectation was I would look at all those documents and deliver them. That wasn't anything to do with them being cynical or them choosing to ignore the the deliverable. That was just a knowledge gap on their part. So for me, I took that as an opportunity to go, okay, well, how could I have explained that better to them? What did they miss that I could have explained better in the process? So then as a future addition to my onboarding process, I include examples in my brand-led proposal of what those mock-ups look like. So they can see it's a visual on a page. It's not a final deliverable. And instead of just asking the client what they would like me to look at, I send them a list of deliverables. Brochure, front cover and spread, simple website homepage, business card, letterhead, one exterior signage, simple poster, whatever it is, they can choose from a reasonably short list of items that are the kinds of things I would put in the guidelines. Adding to that knowledge gap and trying to explain better about what they get so there isn't any confusion on their part. So that's knowledge. That's about always looking for how we can be better at filling the knowledge gap for our client and explaining things so they are completely clear on what's going to happen and what they're going to get. So the third thing I mentioned when it comes to setting your client up, setting a project up for success would be around actions and attitude. So what essentially do they need to do? But it's not just what they need to do in terms of their actions. It's also what they might need to bring in terms of their mindset and their attitude towards the project. So yes, of course, there 
is a physical contribution, let's say, that your client will need to make. They will need to make themselves available for meetings. There's information they will have to supply. They will need to do things in a timely manner to keep things moving. And I think what you need to do in that context is try and preempt as much as possible with the client. Let them know early on, even in the onboarding, what is going to be required of them and when. So there are no surprises. There's no suddenly, oh, I'm going to need all this information for your website copy. Oh, right. Well, that's going to take me three weeks to do. I wish you told me that sooner. It's really about ensuring that the client is given plenty of advance notice about some of the things they're going to need to do. If they need to put aside chunks of time to be in meetings or review copy, then it's worth letting them know that. Don't spring surprises on your clients. But perhaps more importantly, I think, is really setting your client up for success when it comes to the energy and the commitment that they will need to bring. Of course, there is that side of needing to commit to the timeline, to reading emails, to being responsible. But there's also that commitment to bringing the energy, committing to the process, being open-minded. And I think When it comes to the kinds of clients that you're going to work well with and you're going to get the best results for, it's important to actually identify what some of the traits are that you need in that client and to talk about those things. Because if what you're looking for is a self-starter that's going to be really invested in the process and who's going to want to co-create and the person that you're talking to is someone who wants just to offboard it or handball it to you and not be involved at all, then that's not going to be a good match. That's not going to be a good energy match between you and that client. So if there are certain energy and attitude expectations that you need to make this project and this process a success for your client, then I think it's really important to make those things clear. So I always talk to my clients about what comes after the brand handover, that there is work to be done, that they need to maintain the momentum to commit to the actions that will need to be taken to build and grow their brand. So just by investing in a process to develop their brand strategy and develop the look and feel, the work is not done. The mountain will not come to Mohammed, put it that way. So I always set an expectation that brand is part of the process of growing their business but it's not going to be able to do all the heavy lifting on its own. There is work that they will need to do. It's like preparing new mums for the fourth trimester. It's not all roses. It's nighttime feeds. It's tiredness. It's an emotional roller coaster. It's feeling sore. <laughs> you know, it, there is the process of going through the birthing of that brand, but it's what comes after that can sometimes catch a client off guard because they suddenly go, oh, well, I built this website and now well, it hasn't improved my traffic. I'm not seeing any more new inquiries. Well, you still need to market the website. You still need to invest in your SEO. You still need to do other marketing activities that will drive people to visit your website. There is some expectation management around the actions that your client will need to take through the process with you and after, and also the kind of attitude they need to bring. And I think that can be often overlooked. And then the fourth thing is emotions. So what should they expect the journey to feel like? And I think this is the most undercooked part of the client service provider relationship. Because a project in any business isn't just about getting a job done. 
there will always be emotions tied up in it. And it's really important to be prepared for those, particularly when it's something that might be driven by change, that there's going to be a transformation, that there's going to be a new brand or a new look and feel or a new website. Any kind of change is going to be fraught with emotion. So of course, every project, it begins with nervous excitement, but then as things change and the constant need to make decisions and take action come up, then that can bring other pressures with it. So I always prepare my clients for how that might feel, that they might start to feel a bit overwhelmed at some points in the process by the change and by the need to make decisions, that they might need to be prepared for how others might react. Sometimes other people react negatively to that change. They don't want to see you change. Sometimes they don't want to see you succeed. And so they might throw some hand grenades in and you need to be prepared for that kind of thing. Some people might feel compelled to give you feedback just because, but it's actually not feedback you need or want. So it's about setting the client up for some of those kinds of things that they might start to doubt what they're doing, that some of those gremlins might start coming into their thoughts, telling them to, oh, don't do that. It's not safe. It's risky. Go back to where you were. Don't change. So by setting the client up for knowing that those some of those emotions might come up, so they are ready for them and they expect them, it means they're prepared for how they might feel. And then it doesn't derail them or the process when it comes up. Because I don't necessarily think that those feelings, that emotional roller coaster can be avoided. I think actually it's probably part and parcel of any project, particularly, as I said, one that involves some level of change. But if you can be prepared for it, if you know it's coming, then I think it's much less likely to get in the way of a successful project. So I just want you to ask yourself, are you doing everything you can to set your client up for success? And when hiccups arise in a project, when a client is starting to respond in an emotional way, that they're starting to feel unnerved, they're starting to show that they're doubting things a bit, they're starting to second guess things, or when there's knowledge gap, they don't necessarily understand exactly what's happening, they're perhaps not taking the action that they need to take, see that as an opportunity to fill a gap and to ask yourself, how could you do more next time or in this moment to set that client and that project up for success in the future? Because clients are often won on the promise, but they're lost in the process. But we focus a lot on the promise. We talk about the problem and the pivot. We talk about what that light at the end of the tunnel is going to be. But maybe we should also, on top of that, as well as that, invest a bit more time in the process too. How are we managing our client through that process, setting them up for what they're going to feel, what they're going to need to do, and how they're going to need to act during that process to set themselves up for success too. So have a great day. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'd love to know if you had any aha moments, any takeouts, anything you just don't agree with and you think I'm talking rubbish. Well, let me know. I would love to hear it. But before I say goodbye, I just want to remind you that I will be opening the doors again for my Creative Value Incubator next February. Now, if you want to... Put on hold, reserve for yourself the 2022 pricing for that program. You're interested in it. You'd like to know more. There's no commitment at this stage. But if you jump on the wait list, 
then you'll be able to lock in the current pricing. You won't be subject to the price increase that's coming next year in 2023. So if you're interested, go and have a look at my website, beckhughes.com forward slash incubator. And if you get on the wait list, the guest list, before the 30th of November 2022, so I think that leaves you about a week now from when this podcast goes live, then you'll be able to secure yourself the 2022 pricing, you clever creative you. So go on, go and have a look, check it out, because I promise you that program is amazing. If you are a graphic designer, a brand-led designer, a web designer, and you are ready to make changes in your business, to do the work, to look at things with a fresh pair of eyes and really get stuck into some new ideas and some new approaches because you want to increase the value you create for your clients, you want to be perceived as more valuable and you want to value yourself more, then that program is for you. I hope you have an amazing week, enjoy your weekend, and I look forward to chatting to you again very, very soon. Thank you so much for joining me, Beck Hughes, on the C Word podcast. If you like what you heard, subscribe, leave a review, and share with your friends and business buddies who might like to listen in too. The music for this podcast is by Red Productions on Pixabay.